In Afghanistan, more than a thousand children under the age of five are dying every week, many in hospitals and clinics. And the assessment from the charity UNICEF is that they shouldn't be dying. It's a staggering number of lives lost, but our team on the ground believe the true figure could be much higher. They're dying of diseases that are preventable. The majority would survive in most other parts of the world, but the country's health system is broken. Foreign funding is frozen and aid agencies struggle in the face of enormous challenges, not least the fact that the Taliban won't allow women as aid workers. Here at BBC News, we've thought long and hard about what to include in this report from our correspondent, Yogit Elimai. But her visit to one hospital on the brink of collapse is heartbreaking. There are scenes you will find distressing, including some young children in the final stages of life. But their families wanted us to record and bear witness to their tragedy and that of a nation. Every child in this room is in need of critical care. Pneumonia is ravaging their little bodies. One-year-old Sajad struggles to breathe. Hebatullah's mother, Fatima, holds an oxygen pipe near his nose. Masks for their small faces aren't available. Irfan is in the next bed. His condition worsens, and his mother, Ziara, is given an extra tube. Mothers filling in for what trained staff or medical equipment should do. This basic facility is the intensive care unit in Gore's main hospital, a province home to more than a million. Room after room is full of sick children. Tayabullah, barely breathing. Ill with pneumonia and malnutrition. His family wants us to see his condition. Alone in a corner, his mother Nigar realizes her son is fading. Doctors find a faint heartbeat. Already defeated by a lack of resources, they are trying to revive him with the little they have. Gausadin tells us it took eight hours on rubble roads to bring his grandson here. A family that can barely afford to eat, scraped together money to pay for the ride, trying to save their little boy. Edima Sultani is one of two nurses treating 60 children. She makes a final attempt. Minutes later, she tells Nigal her boy has died. <laughs> they carry their baby home. He should be alive. Every disease he had was curable. <laughs> Well, 
I am also a mother, and when I saw the baby die, I felt like I've lost my own child. When I saw his mother sobbing, it broke my heart. It hurt my conscience. We don't have equipment and trained staff. There is nothing we can do but watch babies dying. Barely a few moments passed before we found another child in distress. Two years old, Gulbadan was born with a heart defect, a condition that's not uncommon or hard to treat. We borrowed money to take her to Kabul, but we couldn't afford surgery, so we had to bring her back. Her grandmother, Afwa Gul, told us, please help us cure her. What Gulbadan has could have been fixed with a routine operation. But this hospital isn't equipped to perform it. Her father, Navroz, tells us his daughter had just begun to speak, forming her first words, calling out to him. If I had an income, she would have never suffered this way. Right now, I don't even have the money to buy a cup of tea. This hospital doesn't have any equipment to cure her. You can barely find an oxygen cylinder. When we came back later, we were told Gulbadan had not survived. Oxygen had run out. Within hours, two children died. Another crushing blow for Dr. Ahmed Samadhi and his colleagues. I feel exhaustion and agony. Every day we lose one or two beloved children of Ghor. We're almost accustomed to it now. We need equipment, ventilators and monitors. We need oxygen and medicines. For 20 years, the world put billions of dollars into Afghanistan's public health care. What we've seen raises questions about how that money was spent. In Gol, the hospital wasn't made strong enough to withstand a regime change. In the one and a half years since the Taliban took over and foreign funding which propped up Afghan healthcare was frozen, we've been to hospitals and clinics all across this country. This is the worst we've seen. It's hard to believe that this is the main provincial hospital. Even this bare minimum is being held up because humanitarian agencies are funding some of the salaries, medicines and food. It is sorely insufficient. And if that funding is reduced further, there is no doubt that the direct result of that will be more children dying. And aid agencies have warned that donations which could help these families might be hit because the Taliban's restrictions on women violate international laws. On a hill on the edge of the town is one of the area's main burial grounds. There are no records or even a caretaker here. No way to tell who they belong to. But it's easy to distinguish big graves from small ones. From what we saw, at least half of those recently buried are children. 
there's evidence everywhere that the lives of Afghanistan's youngest are being taken. Yogatalamai, BBC News, Gaul. Truly astonishing, the reality of everyday life in Afghanistan with hospitals, barely four walls and a few beds. Well, Yogita joins us now from Mumbai. Yogita, um, it's difficult to process all that, but is there any hope, any light in all this darkness? Clive, the UN has said just today that only 6.4% of its appeal for Afghanistan for this year has been funded, and we're in the fifth month of the year. The UN and other humanitarian agencies operating on the ground are a crucial lifeline for Afghan people. And just for our viewers to understand the possibilities, I'll give you a quick example. At this time last year, there was a massive measles outbreak in the country, which took the lives of hundreds, possibly thousands of children. Then there was a big vaccination campaign carried out by aid agencies looping in the Taliban government. And this year, we are seeing positive results. So things can be done on the ground. Of course, it is far more complicated this year because the, uh, the Taliban has banned women from working for the UN and other NGOs, which affects not just the delivery of assistance, particularly to women and children, but also, the UN are saying that donors might not want to give money to a country where international laws are being violated. When I've asked the Taliban about this, they say that international aid should not be connected to their policies on women because they say these are internal matters for the country. But ultimately, it is not in the interest of any regime that wants to hold on to power to have such widespread economic instability in their country, the largest humanitarian crisis in the world, as described by the UN. So there is leverage. Uh, it's a question of how the impasse between the Taliban's top leadership and the international community can be broken to deliver for uh, the people of Afghanistan while still insisting on human rights. And it's really uh, the faces of Tayyabullah, Irfan, uh, Sajjad and Gulbadan that people need to be remembering while making those decisions. Indeed. Okay, Yogita, many thanks to you and your team. Yogita Nimai there, live in Mumbai.